Well, look, thank you for listening to this second podcast of Meet the Leader. As I've said in the past, I'm a, a massive fan of people that put aside all the other aspects of their lives to stand up for their communities, be elected as councillors, and then go that extra step further to be a leader of a council. And in this series, I'm looking to understand what made people do that, what they love about it, the challenges that they've found, and what it means to them to be the leader of their particular council, their particular part of the world. So on this occasion, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Linda Taylor, who is the leader of Cornwall. Linda, thank you for joining me. Not at all. And I'm really pleased to be here. And um, I think I'm waiting without apprehension as to what I'm going to be asked. (laughs) Well, it's a simple question. How did you get involved in local politics? What drew you into giving up so much of your private life and time for your community what what was the first time you got uh, to rub shoulders with local government okay so um my professional career was in banking i was a bank manager uh, but i was born in st ives and the opportunity was presented to me to join st ives town council um as a as a bank manager and i thought well yes i'm going to and i've always been community minded um And I thought I'd take the opportunity. But within the first year of being elected onto St. Ives Town Council, I had the huge privilege of being asked to be the mayor. And I was actually the mayor for three years. So uh, for me, it was a huge honour. But more importantly, it was absolutely um, getting out, hopefully making a difference, listening to people and just finding out about so many charities and organisations within in my hometown. Obviously, my corporate uh, employees were incredibly pleased to support me because it is all about uh, community working. And then after my three years as mayor, I stood down from St Ives Town Council. And at that particular point, I thought to myself I was going to take early retirement. (laughs) And I did actually uh, take early retirement, but I lasted all of about seven months when... um, the Conservatives came along and said to me, would I stand as the uh, Cornwall councillor for Carbon Space and Tyres and Elant, which is obviously, you know, uh, where I know, where I mm. live and uh, where I just knew a lot of people. And I said yes. And uh, the elections were in May 2017 and I won the election. And uh, that's been it uh, since that particular moment in time. And, what, and did they use the old line, it's only a couple of nights a week? No. <laughs> he told you uh, the no, truth. no, 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 no. It it I I did I did know I did expect uh, that it was going to be busy. Uh, but what I found within the first year of being in opposition, I was voted in as the deputy group leader. Yeah. And the following year I was then voted in as the leader and nothing prepared me in opposition for the uh, amount of work that I would need to do uh, as group leader. And I certainly um, enjoyed it. But I think one of my skills was I've always worked in teams and the importance of teams Mm. and communication is absolutely key. And then obviously when we won the election in 2021, you know, it was the first majority administration in Cornwall. Um, Nothing could have prepared me really uh, for the... um, avalanche of work and emails 
but I love it. I, you know, the challenge is there every single day, but it is, it, it is a real big commitment and it's one I absolutely enjoy. And, and that's wonderful that you feel that way because it is an enormous task, isn't it? You've got a unitary council, so you're responsible for uh, children, adults, all aspects of working with the yeah. NHS. Uh, yeah. It's uh, all encompassing. But, yeah, our know... own fire service. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, of course, you've got the fire yeah. service. But... Yeah, and we've got an airport. We own an airport. Uh, one of the things, I... so I go to Cornwall uh, probably two or three times in the scheme of a year, and, and I see it as, you know, the polled arc, the, the holiday makers, the the... the vibrant sort of summer season I, I haven't been to St Ives for ages because it's so busy um yes. at that time of year I suppose Cornwall at its brightest at its most active in numbers of people but the, what's the, what's it like all year round it's a different place I'm sure isn't it it is so Cornwall's been very uh, dependent on its tourism and, and we wouldn't have had it any other way because it absolutely you know brings money and investment into the economy but at the same time, uh, Cornwall is not idyllic for everyone. And uh, I call, you know, the coastal towns and conurbations where the tourists tend to go, uh, you know, it's heavily dependent on um, staff working in the restaurants, the pubs and mm. the hotels. But at the same time, Cornwall's salary does not compare to the rest of the UK. We're, we're not there. And if you then look at what I call the spine of Cornwall, there are areas of deprivation. Mm. Those opportunities have not fed themselves through to those areas. And, you know, we're talking about Penzance and we're talking about going up through the centre of Cornwall. So for a lot of people, they have a very rose-tinted view of how lovely it is in Cornwall. And it is lovely uh, but we've got serious work on making sure that opportunities are equal to everyone and that um, with our shared prosperity funding that we've got of £132 million, which we're spending now, we absolutely do need to make a difference uh, to how uh, people are living and working and um, ageing well within Cornwall. And, and it's it's a big job, but we are definitely going to start making a difference. That's wonderful. In the lockdown, lots of people sold up their houses in London and moved far and wide because uh, of the new technology that was available to people uh, and the quality of life that people just said, you know, mm. well, I want to be somewhere uh, more picturesque. Did you find that Cornwall suddenly had an influx of people buying properties and moving down uh, during that time and and how did that work afterwards because so many sort of new faces in communities at a time mm. when people were so I suppose concerned about health and welfare um we did find a lot of people and I can't quantify how many people um did come down but we we absolutely saw property prices absolutely soaring and mm. we uh saw in, in what I call you know the coastal areas we saw properties that didn't even make it onto estate agents' um, websites because as soon as they were typing in, properties <laughs> were just being sold. One of the things COVID did do was highlight even more the pressure on our housing stock. Yeah. 
And so, um, you know, sometimes, I, you know, obviously it's my hometown, but sometimes it's not alone uh, where you look at uh, many areas where, you know, you could have been walking around or you can walk around uh, the, what I call the centre of our little villages. And at wintertime, there are no lights on. Um, mm. And, you know, the impact has been absolutely noticeable. We've got a housing crisis um, in Cornwall, uh, which we're absolutely working on at the moment. We've got about 800 homes, you know, what I call affordable uh, social homes in the pipeline. But it's getting the balance right uh, in our towns and our villages. Now, I've always welcomed, uh, as a bank manager, you always welcome, uh, you know, investment coming into your particular area. And second homeowners have been incredibly important to that economy. And a lot of people who have chosen to um, have a second home, when they come to retire, they do choose to come and participate mm. in their community. And they want to get engaged. And, and for some times, if you look at a lot of the charities and the little groups, if it wasn't for people who have chosen to come and retire, a lot of these organisations wouldn't exist. But then you've got to look at the balance of your mm. town or your village and not having what I call a representative community has huge impacts. So, you know, it could be it affects schools because the schools are not getting um, the numbers of pupils. Mm. We've got a big issue with adult social care in Cornwall and Cornwall does have the highest number of elderly people. And in the past where you had a cohesive community, you had that big extended family where, you know, if mm. your uncle yeah. or aunt or somebody was ill, somebody within that family would be able to step in and help. What we're seeing is that because families cannot afford uh, to buy or even afford the rent in our coastal towns, they're having to move out uh, and away. And that support's not there for um, elderly relatives. And it's also having an impact on the high street economy. Um, you know, if, if you want to go into some times and you want something really um, basic and obvious, like tea towels or um, handkerchiefs or that type of thing, you can't buy them in some times. You have to go out and, um, you know, shop online or, or go to Truro and go to the shops there. So it's it's incredibly important getting the balance of how your community works for you. And in some areas, um, second home ownership has tipped yeah. too far the other way. It, people listening to this, I think that one of the things I find is people just don't understand local government enough uh, and certainly the role of leader. I think it's fascinating that you're talking about the, the basic economics and the geography and demographics are essential in, in what you're trying to achieve in Cornwall. Uh, try and find that balance in the communities and I also love the fact that you're you see the positive side of people moving to Cornwall rather than uh, putting up a, a border control uh, on the border of uh, Devon <laughs> and saying go away but it, it, it is a real struggle um, I was quite interested in the um, Duchy of Cornwall's development uh, that they're working on is it Newland isn't it is it Newland we, Nikki, um, Nikki. We've got one, it's at Nansledden, which is the duchy, just outside yeah. Newquay. 
yes. And that, I haven't yet visited that, but that looks amazing. Has the, has the Dutch's intervention uh, helped by giving you a good example of what you need for the built well, environment? Well, I think it shows that um, how you can work with big landowners yeah. and, um, and, and the Dutchy actually um, didn't need to be reminded or didn't need to be uh, prompted about quality build. Yeah. And that's incredibly important. And also with the various developers that are on that site, we've actually been buying turnkey properties for our social rent. Right. Um, and so that's really, really good. We've we've got sites in um, some tides that have got um, one site in particular has got some outstanding views. And I'm absolutely keen on wanting to get uh, a couple of social housing in there because I also want to prove that we can use and adapt um, good pieces of land. But I want those, um, when when it gets through planning, I would like to think the tenants who go into there will have a view that some people may have paid eight to nine, a million pounds plus. Mm. I, I want fairness and I'm really keen to see this particular site uh, get developed. It will only take two houses, but... My goodness me, I just want I want people to have the same opportunity of that view and the location. And um, I, I will be continuing to work hard to get the plans drawn up and, and then to eventually get it through to a planning application. I, I love that. And in, in, that, that's one of those sort of, I suppose, the perverse situations that you have in Cornwall is that the people who have grown up and uh, Cornwall is their home and it's where they're from are actually priced out of actually enjoying the very best of what Cornwall has to offer. And I think that that's a wonderful ambition, and I hope that you Good. succeed on yeah. that. Um, I was always uh, intrigued with... Because um, Cornwall was for Brexit and was for out. Yet, yes. as as my sat-nav told me in a very old car that's now gone, um, we were off-roading for most of the time because you've had so much investment from the European community has that changed things that dynamic when i said earlier on that we were um voted in in 2021 as the first uh, majority uh, administration of any political color um we got in on the vote of get brexit done yeah yeah uh, it was done on the chancellor now mp's um intervention in furlough provision yeah. Um, we also got in on the fact that um, at that time Boris had intervened and, had, you know, bought up all the stocks of vaccine. And, yeah. and he couldn't have done that had we been within the EU. And it was also our vaccination programme. And obviously the fact I'd got 47 excellent candidates. Mm. Now, there are, you know, I have to be honest, it, the fishing industry, there were some early frustrations, mm. especially in uh, shellfish over to France because of the bureaucracy of forms, um, form filling. Um, but we've, I believe we've got over that. Um, Cornwall has always been uh, very independent and I think it did surprise uh, people that it was a Brexit vote. Um, since we've been in administration, we've, as I said, we've had that large sum of 132 million pounds which is the start mm. of um because the prime minister of the time boris said cornwall was not to be disadvantaged uh by leaving um the eu and we we've had that sum of money which you know a massive amount which we've got 
it's not a promise we've got it it's you know in our bank books and um, <laughs> we're spending it and we're also getting you know considerable sums of money uh, by way of the uh, leveling up there will obviously be um tweaks uh, that are, have not gone right um but I was a Brexit uh, voter, and I I obviously was not on my own. So no, you um, clearly weren't in Cornwall. Yeah. The, the um, <laughs> so Linda, you, you've had the job now for a few years. It's an enormous job. You, you're ranging right across, as you said, uh, the economics of the the county. You got the fire. Uh, there's no services uh, that are excluded, actually, apart from the yeah. health service, really, and police. And you'll, I'm sure you have a big say. Uh, with the constabulary of um, Devon and Cornwall. But yeah. describe how you feel about being the leader of Cornwall because you are effectively the most powerful person in Cornwall. We'll let the current uh, Duke of Cornwall worry about his status there. Mm. Um, what does it mean to you to have the role? Exceptionally um, privileged and proud that my administration have put their trust in me to deliver on our manifesto promises and pledges. But it's all about uh, teamwork. And for me, when I'm able to go around and meet people, um, it's really good to hear their stories. It's good to hear the good stories, but it's incredibly important that we hear uh, the issues, because I, I'm a firm believer that if it's a problem for a resident, it's going to be a problem for us. And it's incredibly important uh, that we listen. And I've got 47 uh, councillors uh, and their, their job is absolutely to represent their community, listen to the community and then, you know, feedback. And as I said, communication is key. It is about listening and it's about wanting to have a policy and decision making that is going to be absolutely in the best interests of Cornwall. And at the end of um, our administration, I, I would like to hope uh, that we've made a difference to as many people as possible uh, throughout the whole of Cornwall. And when I say make a difference, a better, a better um, decision making for them so that they can see the benefits of, you know, getting it more in inward investment, increasing salaries, increasing the housing stock, um, working with government to make a difference on our health care, listening to the business community, which is incredibly important because they are the ones who are going to turbocharge our economy. And, you know, as I said, we've got this investment of 132 million to actually start making a difference. So, it's a privilege. It's one I absolutely enjoy, but it's about keeping your feet grounded and absolutely listening uh, to what your residents are saying and always bearing in mind any decision you make usually has financial implications, but it's got to be the best decision for the people of Cornwall. Do you know, Linda, that's a wonderful way to finish. I think that's a wonderful thing that you do. Uh, and when I visit Cornwall... I will have even more respect for what's going on around me. Uh, and the communities, I think certainly I love Mousel and I love all the yeah. places. I love all the senses of culture and history that Cornwall has. And protecting that and balancing it with the modern day yeah. needs is a challenge which I have tremendous admiration for you and your team for tackling those and doing what you're doing. So thank you very much for joining me this 
uh, today no, and for and, this and, podcast. And, yeah, and, and thank you. And uh, those questions were quite nice. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> thank you very much.